Hey there, dragons. Welcome to episode 65 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. This episode is with Matt Isaacs from the band No, This is Patrick, located in Nashville, Tennessee. Matt and I had a great, awesome conversation about his band, his music, where the inspiration came from, as well as as well as some of his nerdy habits and, you know, Star Wars and that his dad has a copy of Star Wars on Laserdisc. Anyways, stay tuned after the episode for two songs by Know This Is Patrick. The first is a cover of Vanessa Carlton's A Thousand Miles, and the second is an original song called Storm Coming, Hatchet Coming. The Dumbbells and Dragons podcast is a proud member of the Almost Better Network, and we are powered by Pinecast. Enjoy the conversation. Work out, nerd out. In the basement, rolling dice, rolling dice. I'm a wizard. When we play, we do it right. Candles flicker, fighting dragons in my mind, in my mind. Just for kicks. DM says you're gonna die. Roll a D6. Roll a D6. Roll a D6. Welcome, everybody, again to another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. I am your host, Kenny Rotter, and today I am joined by Matt Isaacs, who is part of the Nashville pop punk band No, This Is Patrick, and he is also a part of Valinor Records. Matt, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How you doing? Dude, I am doing phenomenal. It is a beautiful Saturday here in Southern California. The weather was a little warm today. But um, other than that, man, things are great. I hear it storming down where you are in Nashville. It It is. It's been incredibly nice this week. And then today it just got real cold and has rained literally all day. Oh, well, see, if I could get that sort of rain in Southern California because we've been in a drought for like six years, I would love it. Dude, I feel that. Although I thought I saw something that said it was officially over or something. That could have been nonsense, though. It, okay, possibly by scientific standards, it's officially over. But let's be honest, could we ever have enough water? <laughs> I mean, once the ice caps melt, probably. Okay, that's true. We could have too much water once that happens. <laughs> Um, that's actually really funny because we're actually recording this on Earth Day. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. There we go. <laughs> so, happy Earth Day, Matt. <laughs> happy Earth Day. No. So, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you come to find yourself in Nashville? And how did you start uh, No, This is Patrick? Uh, all right. Um, <laughs> I'll figure out where to start. Um I'm 23 years old. I'm originally from around Atlanta, Georgia, I guess, metro Atlanta area. Uh, and I ended up in Nashville because I I started wanting to be a musician around middle school, high school time. And I, uh, I was told by my parents that I, no matter what I wanted to do, I had to go to college first. And so I figured, well, might as well go to college and learn how to get a leg up as a musician and learn some production and whatnot. So I went to Belmont in Nashville uh, for a few years and ended up more or less, long story short, dropping out before I finished. But I met a lot of amazing people there, including most of my best friends. And a couple summers ago, we... Uh, 
I was crashing on one of their couches. Again, long story short, had done a back and forth move and was looking for a place to stay. And with, with my two best friends and, um, we had been listening to the new newest record by a band called chunk. No captain chunk, which is a uh, pop punk band from Paris and uh very polarizing band because a lot of people hate their style but we love it and we were just getting super into it jamming it every time we would make midnight taco bell runs and just sort of offhand we're like man i'd love to be in a band like this just because it's so fun it's got all the the sort of the heaviness and intensity that we like but it's but it's really fun and positive and then one night uh our friend ryan said, hey, uh, I'm going to go into my room and I'm going to tune my guitar down to B-flat, which is the tuning that Chunk plays in, and just see what it's like to write in that tuning if it if it's anything different. And he came back out with an intro riff, um, which is actually the riff to a song that uh, I actually sent you called Storm Coming, Hatchet Coming, and it was so amazing that we were like, this is so good. How did you do this? Like, let's build on top of this. And it kind of snowballed until here we are today where we like, it just got better and better. And we were like, this is, this feels great. Let's keep going. And in case anyone is enticed, that song is going to be played at some point in this podcast. We haven't decided yet if it's going to be in the middle of the podcast or after the credits of the podcast, but if you want to check out that song, it will be at some point in this conversation. So that's just a little enticement for everybody. Now, my question to you is, how did you come up with the name? The name intrigues me. <laughs> well, um, the name actually we came up with a fair amount of time before we decided we even wanted to do this band. Um, cause I mean, I, from, from the get go, when I got to, to college, I was and all, like all of us at this music school, constantly trying to start bands and whatnot. So there were plenty of false starts before this. Um, and, but we were all just sort of working at it. And I, there was a venue I was volunteering at and I was hanging out with some friends there and it's it was a venue that did mostly like our style of music, sort of alternative, like metal, hardcore, punk, that kind of thing. And we, me and three other friends, were talking about just genres and things like that. That because they get so absurdly just detailed and niche. And we were sort of two, three of us were having an argument with a fourth friend about punk and hardcore and all this stuff. And he made known his distaste for the style uh, that the band I mentioned earlier, Chunk No Captain Chunk, plays, which is sort of sometimes known as easy core because it's it's like hardcore and metalcore, but like happy and major key. So the sort of joke term is easy core. And so he he hated them, and but the three of us were really enjoyed their music. The argument sort of escalated, and he got a little more angry than we expected, and <laughs> and he left. And then so we we, we and and it, just just to be clear, he and I are still good friends. He's a great dude, but the three of us who were left were sort of laughing about it, and we joked that like 
just to mess with him, we should start an easy core band. And we were like, well, what should it be called? And since we had been talking about Chunk and their name, it has like a bunch of punctuation stuff because it's a quote from the movie The Goonies. Oh, I got uh, that. I got that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so you know. And <laughs> so we were like, well, it needs to be a quote that has like a ton of punctuation. So it's like really dumb and confusing. And one of the first things that popped into our head was the line from SpongeBob where Patrick is working at the Krusty Krab and people keep calling and asking, is this the Krusty Krab? And he's like, no, this is Patrick. <laughs> and it just escalates from there and it's sort of a gag. And we were like, that has, and then at the end he like screams it into the phone. So we're like, that has all the necessary punctuation and is a full sentence quote. Like that would be so funny. Ha ha. Fast forward like two years my one of my friends who was part of that conversation is the friend who wrote that original riff and he was originally going to be the singer before he moved to Florida to intern at Disney Disney World he he wrote that we started working on it and when once we decided to really roll with it it was before we were even like oh what should we call the band we're like so this is going to be no, this is Patrick, right? And we're like, yeah, it has to be. Like, there's really no other choice, and it kind of that's that's just the way it was. <laughs> that's excellent. I love. I it's love it's how so dumb, came. but at least it has a good story. No, absolutely, and I think the only thing that can make it better is if the friend that you kind of had that beef with was named Patrick. <laughs> it's not, unfortunately. <laughs> it's, oh, that'd be great. But I always think of, um, for people, when they hear our band name, and they, if they, most people understand the quote right away, because generally only people around our age sort of are going to encounter this band. So they're all, a lot of them understand this reference, which is phenomenal and is just fun because everyone gets to laugh about it. I'm looking forward to the day when someone just assumes that someone in the band is named Patrick because I want to – there's a line from the show Community where there's a band called oh, – what is it? I'm totally blanking, but there's a band – Natalie is freezing is the name of this like indie band. So everyone, there's like a running gag where they're like, oh, which one of you is Natalie? And they're like, why would one of us be named Natalie? We're artists. And then like it happens every time the band gets introduced. And I, I just want to be able to do that one day. Why would any of us be named Patrick? We're artists. Exactly. And that'll be another reference that that person doesn't understand. And it, it'll be, we'll laugh. Everyone else will hate us because our humor is entirely too referential. <laughs> I love that. And to, to be perfectly fair, you and I are not a part of the same generation. I am about 10 years older than you. Hey, I still dug your music. And well, thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. What music has influenced you aside from Chunk? No, this is Chunk. Cap, uh, I'm sorry, Chunk. No, Captain Chunk. It's it's actually even though we're in like this pretty specific subgenre, we have like, I well, I hesitate to use the word eclectic because it it almost entirely stems from like heavier music. I when I 
got into guitar, it was actually because of Guitar Hero 2. Like, I bought that game in middle school, got really into it, and then decided I wanted, like, I liked the way it felt, so I learned real guitar, which is the really short story. But, so... I got introduced to a lot of my favorite uh, and influential bands from that, whether it be obvious, like the the big two, I think, starting out were Metallica and Nirvana for stuff that I was trying to learn. And it just sort of went from there. Anything that was heavy and aggressive, but also catchy. Um, so like my favorite band is Blink-182. I love like most of what I listen to ends up being like heavier, like metal stuff. It's that's when I found this sort of subgenre. I was like, this is perfect. It's this dynamic change back and forth between upbeat and like super aggressive. So it's, it's things like nineties uh, and onwards pop punk, whether it be blink or some 41 or green day or all time low, and then in high school, I was really into like 80s thrash, like Metallica and Megadeth and Creator. Um, and then as it went on, I, once I got to college, I had friends start to introduce me to more modern scene stuff that I didn't really know existed because <laughs> the guitar magazines never talked about anything past 1990. Uh, and because they were like, oh, let's put Eddie Van Halen on like nine out of 12 covers of this year. And when there were a ton of great, like, heavy and guitar-based bands that were sort of struggling that they could have been covering. But, yeah, then I started getting getting into your, like, All That Remains, A Day to Remember, like, that kind of stuff. Uh, what, what would be called, like, metalcore, the sort of crossover between the modern punk scene and the modern, like, super heavy, like, metal stuff. Oh. And then I think Sean is is my my good friend who's the other main dude in the band right now. He's similar, and then we're both into. I mean, there's a thousand other things I can get into, but the the one weird thing that we might end up incorporating is we're both really into like prog metal stuff. Um, so that's that's probably the other weird influence that you might not hear in Patrick yet. Real quick, do you mean Prague as in progressive or Prague as in the country? Prague as in progressive, sorry. Okay. I was like I was like, okay, I'm I'm a little confused because like is Prague rock a thing where it's just rock and roll from the country of Prague? I mean, right? there's a, there's some bands from countries that I never would have expected that I've gotten really into lately. Like it's it's I mean, you hear it all the time, but like, oh the internet allows us to find all these things. It's it's totally true. Are you at all familiar with Eurovision? I'm familiar like with the song contests and everything, the sort of American Idol-esque thing. Is it it's a TV channel? It's it's not a TV channel. It is a TV like once every few years, or I think it's once a year, every country in Europe submits a band and a song that just competes. And so it's like this worldwide phenomenon and it's absolutely incredible. And they have some of the most amazing talent. And then also some of the weirdest shit you've ever seen. <laughs> um, there was a song by the band called, they were called pirates of the sea. 
and the song was called Wolves of the Sea. And so every time they performed, they were just in a giant pirate ship dressed in pirate garb, singing essentially a modern rock pirate song. That's amazing. It's it's almost up to Ailstorm levels of awesomeness. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, if you get a chance, please just YouTube that because they're so brilliant. They were... Every time I saw that video, I just cracked up. And the song is catchy. It is so catchy. How how did you find yourself in Nashville? You just went to school there? Yeah, it was um it was almost exclusively because of the school cuz I was basically kind of junior year of high school looking for where I should go to school and there were I hesitate to say a lot of options on the table cuz like I my grades weren't like super amazing and I wasn't like academia is not really my my main thing but I I did well enough and the school I went to was like all about getting into college and stuff um but I knew I wanted music I wasn't sure I wanted to how far I wanted to go from home yada yada and then uh I can't even remember how I found out about Belmont but once I visited I just really loved the city and it, it just felt like the perfect happy medium of, of like a change of scenery, but not being so absurdly far away that it was going to be like total fish out of water. And of course, like it, it is music city. And I found out pretty quickly that if, if you're willing to look, you'll find that it's not just country music. Um, So I, I wanted to take advantage of that. And really kind of stand out from what you expect in Nashville, which I think a lot of people, including a lot of my friends, are doing really well right now. That's awesome. I I know. Unfortunately, the only times I've ever been to Nashville has been in layovers in the airport. That, see, that's funny because I've never actually been inside the airport. So <laughs> between the two of us, we have all of Nashville covered. <laughs> Perfect. But even the music in the airport, it's one of the only airports I've ever been to that has live music going on in just in restaurants in the airport. And it's amazing. And the music is better than half the stuff you hear on the radio. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of talent here is outrageous. And, like, I might not enjoy a massive amount of it every, pretty much everyone's good and it's sort of just the crucible of like you come here and you you might sort of blend in because there's going to be so many people better than you but like once you leave you'll probably end up being better than everyone else wherever you go back to your town or if you're on tour or whatever it really forces you to to work harder and I think that's definitely something – it's like a weeding out process. It's like if you want to be a stage performer, you go to Broadway. You know, you go to New York. If you want to be an actor, you come out here to L.A. Just because that's where the competition is. And if you want to be the best in your business, you got to go where the best is. Exactly. Uh, so I have to I have to ask you any questions. If you're not, that's totally cool. So – I am a huge Tennessee Titans fan. Okay. Are you at all into 
Tennessee sports, or is it just not your thing? You're more of a musician nerd guy. Um, I mean, my default answer would be I'm more a musician nerd guy, but I'm not like opposed to it. I have, um, I mean, I like sports and stuff, but I always tell people like if, if anyone ever wants to like play something like pick up basketball or football or whatever, I'm always down, but I almost never watch sports. I have been to, I think, only one Predators game here, hockey game. That was great. Hockey, I think, is one of the best live sports anyway. And people here are super into the Predators. Um, Titans, not as much, because apparently they're not super awesome. Not yet. I don't know. <laughs> See, that's the spirit. Like, <laughs> I've not been to a Titans game, but I have been. I When I used to work valet, we used to have, like, titans come to the to the hotel i was at a lot but that's 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 really the the closest brush i have with that sort of thing okay so we we've touched on two things i am i'm a huge titans fan and i'm a huge hockey fan so real quick i do want to say that i will probably get to a titans game before you because i'm actually going to fly down to arizona when they play the cardinals this year nice (laughs) but I I love hockey. I'm glad that you said it's a great sport to watch live. And I'm actually in love with the Predators right now because they swept the Blackhawks. And fuck the Blackhawks because I hate them. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a Boston Bruins hockey fan. And I'm still not over 2013 when the Blackhawks beat us in the Stanley Cup. So go Predators! Fuck the Blackhawks. Nice. <laughs> But back into more of the music nerdy stuff, what is your, aside from music, of course, what is your favorite area of nerdiness? Oh, man, that's really hard. Man, I think, now do you mean like medium as in like movies versus comics versus like games sort of thing or like franchise kind of thing you know what i would say it's a user-defined question so define it any way you like but i would say are you like really and it can be a current question like what are you what is your favorite current area of nerdiness like are you currently really big into the mcu doctor who i'm trying to think of something i think well i i you, you did hit mcu but i think that'd still come number two to star wars though Because, like, Star Wars has been my thing since, like, literally before I can remember. And at some point, I discovered that, I mean, I was, like, spent every allowance I could from age four up on, like, Star Wars action figures and stuff. And then at some point, I discovered that there were books and, and comics and stuff that went beyond the movies. And that's really sort of been my... uh like my main source of nerdiness um, as far as at least volume goes. Like I'm the guy like I hesitate hesitate to even see say to kill time. Like I just love going on like, oh, I can't afford to get this book, but I'm going to read about the characters on Wikipedia or like I've got I've got a bunch of audible credits right now. So on my commutes, I just listen to all the new canon Star Wars novels on my way to and from work so that I'm like totally caught up. Yeah, and then also really into the MCU, like 
I started reading comics around when Civil the Civil War comic came out. Um, so that's like near and dear to my heart. But it's one of those things where it's so hard to keep up with. I've only read a certain amount, but then before movies come out, I always like familiarize myself with it as much as possible. So I can like really enjoy the just the extra like little Easter eggs and stuff like that. Okay. I I want to go back to Star Wars real quick and what yeah. what was your first experience with Star Wars that you can remember? Um so I think it's got to be one of two as far as like really distinct memories. I know um my dad had a laser disc player and he we have a new oh, hold on. Hold on. I just need to get my laugh out. <laughs> yeah, okay. this was this was like 94 or 5, so I was like literally, well, at the earliest, because I, like I said, I can barely remember it. Um, so we had a new hope on Laserdisc. I, I, well, I have the DVDs now, but like for a while, that was the only way we had for the first one. So I must have seen it at some point that way. And I remember uh, in the very beginning when the stormtroopers blow down the door into the tantive uh tantive four and it was like sort of a jump scare like because it just there's like burning around the sides and then it like blows up and as a little kid like that scared me so i never wanted to watch that star wars movie um i know i always like would just put in the vhs for return of the jedi and then i also remember going to see episode one in theaters and like just being super excited about it. But also I had this like intense phobia of the loudness of movie theaters when I was really small. So I remember waiting to go in and being simultaneously like, can't wait to see new star Wars, but also absolutely. Like I could hear, cause we were waiting outside the previous showing in line. Cause I mean, star Wars and hearing like the vibration and stuff of of the theater and being like super scared and not sure if I was able to do it but of course I had to soldier through because Star Wars. <laughs> That's awesome. A I I just want to mention with the laser disc I don't like I don't remember hearing anything about them doing the special edition original trilogy on laser disc. So is it like the the unaltered it, versions now that i think about it and you know thank you for saying that because i've never actually thought about that because i'm almost certain well no so there was a special edition in 98 which obviously was well after laserdisc was dead but wasn't there there was one before that right or was 98 the first truly like special edition that had all the changes and stuff i want to say i think 98 was the first special edition with all the changes because I remember before they released it on anything they put it out in theaters and I went and I saw it with my dad I do I do know they were doing that and I'm sure it was partially like building hype for episode one but also I know that's when George Lucas decided that technology has caught up with what he wanted to do and everything so that yeah the Laserdisc must be the original theatrical version I need you to find out if your dad still has those laser discs. <laughs> I mean, I'm certain they're somewhere. Like, that's one of those things, like, 
I'm I'm that person who keeps like almost everything like not to hoarder level but if i'm like i might want to watch this again or whatever i'll keep it so i'm pretty sure i wouldn't have let him uh like throw it away or anything oh yeah but i i do i do that gives me more reason to figure that out see if it's still there now so here's another interesting question because when when Phantom Menace came out, you were the target audience for Phantom Menace. Oh, absolutely. So when you're leaving the theater, what did you think of it? Oh, I loved it. I loved I loved all of it. And I mean, I it was only like relatively recently that I when I was like on the internet more and sort of delving into that sort of fandom that I sort of had the flaws pointed out to me because up to that point, it was just like, this is Star Wars. This is what the story is. I like it. And yeah, obviously I wasn't, I had no, I didn't have quite so many years of expectations as other people did. So maybe my hype wasn't as crushable, but, (laughs) and again, like, and I did, I, I was the perfect age. I love Jar Jar. I thought it was funny. Um, I had had for the longest time, like a little Jar Jar head, like hand soap dispenser in my bathroom. Like it was that kind of thing. And then it wasn't until much later that I was like, I understand that Jar Jar was for kids. But the thing that uh, that now makes me a little upset about it is that's just sort of time in the movie that could have been spent on cooler things. Yeah. But I, I don't hate the idea of making a kid's comic relief character in a PG movie. Like, that's not so heinous to me. No, I'm with you. And I've actually read the theory that Jar Jar was actually supposed to be the big bad. <laughs> yeah, that that became a meme real quick. I... I like it. I like the idea of the bumbling idiot being a farce and him actually being this cold, calculative, just insanely evil character. I love that trope, and I think not enough movies... That's one, th- one trope that not enough movies use. I Yeah, and I I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know I've seen it before. Although I guess, well, no, I was going to say Iron Man 3, but that was sort of the reverse um, where the bad guy ended up being like a bumbling. I mean, if, if it wasn't like obviously Palpatine from the beginning because it's a prequel, like that, that might have been the case. But I think it's funny that the Darth Jar Jar thing like took off, but in one of the recent novels there's like a little sort of interlude that actually without until he ends outright saying who it is they like tell you what happens to jar jar like after return of the jedi kind of thing and like where he ends up and he he's just like kind of alone and banished because he screwed everything up so bad so many times and and there's like a lot of meta humor about how he has to be like a kid's clown to survive and only kids will like enjoy him and talk to him but he's like shunned by everyone else (laughs) and that's like that's like the canon canon like end to his story now is he just (laughs) sort of lives as like a sad clown although he's he's not sad so it's kind of okay like he in the book he like makes friends with this 
this war orphan that like nobody wants to adopt. So they're like these two misfits that end up like hanging out together. Well, that's good to know. I, I... yeah. Now, now you know some information that you probably never would have or never cared to. Um, I wouldn't say never cared to, but I'm not the type of Star Wars fan to go into the extended universe. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's understandable. Like, it seems like, or not seems like, obviously that's most people, but to me, I'm like, how could you not? Like, that's just sort of how my brain works and my sort of connection to the universe. For sure. For sure. Um, brief, brief segue. So if you could have any mundane superpower, what would it be? And I mean, let me give you an example. A mundane superpower is when I get on the freeway home from work, I know which lane is going to get me home the fastest, but it's not like I have teleportation to skip traffic. Okay. Hmm. Man, that's really hard. What mundane superpower? I It, I, it would probably have to be something to do with... Um, like sort of speech and charisma and or comedy. Like I feel like if you always knew, or although maybe this would take the fun out of it, but like if you always knew how to like make people laugh and sort of be entertained, obviously a, that would really help with my career, but B, no matter what you do, that would, that, that would get you so far in life and be enjoyable without like, I don't know. But also, I don't know. Do you think that's like cheating too much? No. Always knowing what to say to make somebody laugh. I don't yeah. think that's cheating. Like, because I guess you could say that some people basically have that. Like, people who are almost universally considered funny. Like, obviously, no one's on 100% of the time. But, like, some people know, like, they have the instinct more than other people. If I was a musician, I would be like to automatically know when my instrument is tuned perfectly for the venue I'm in. Oh, man, that would be good, too. See? I got you, dude. I got your back. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Like, and I was, I was I was thinking that, like, something about just dexterity, like, being able to play better, but, like, that that would go a little beyond the mundane if it was some sort of superhuman, like, finger dexterity or whatever to be a better guitar player but something to do with memory would be great too because like being able to learn song not like perfect memory because legit superpower but like even just a little upgrade to being able to learn whether it's my music or someone else's music better and quicker would be a massive advantage no i can totally see that and i think that would a that would definitely help musician that also definitely help most people if they had decent (laughs) memory I agreed, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk. You and I were briefly talking about uh, Iron Fist, which is a topic of conversation I always love getting into briefly before we started recording. Um, you 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 liked it. I It's one of those things where, I don't know, I, I hate to let other people's opinions or breakdowns of it sort of change my mind. I think my initial impression was... It was a letdown, but I still probably overall enjoyed it more than Luke Cage. Although 
I enjoyed the first part of Luke Cage more than a lot of Iron Fist because Iron Fist had more wide-reaching connections story-wise. It kept me wanting to go to the next episode to sort of see what else they would reveal, even though it ended up not being a ton. And I was also super pissed that they didn't do the costume at all because, like, I'm that guy who hates the Fox X-Men movies because they never do costumes. <laughs> and and I was like, I understand why they waited till the end of season one of Daredevil for that. And obviously Luke Cage and Jessica Jones don't need it. But I was like, I felt like making him kind of normal, making Danny like too normal sort of was a big, cr- uh, not crutch, the opposite, like a hindrance to the, to the, to the season. Cause it was just like, not terribly impressive or exciting. Like there was only snippets of like really cool stuff, but I don't know. They, they kind of nerfed him and I understand why, but it, it didn't work well for the, for the solo series, but I don't know. And I, I don't know if you saw this, but apparently, I mean, the whole thing was rushed and apparently uh, Finn Jones who plays Danny was learning the fight choreography. Like, literally 15 minutes before they started filming. So like, that's why everything is kind of like slow and not nearly on the, I mean it again, it's unfair to compare it because daredevil's fight choreography is top notch compared to this, which was like barely put together. So it's not necessarily that Danny, well, that Finn Jones can't fight. It's just that, they never gave him an opportunity to learn how to fight. I I mean, that's got to be part of it. Because, I mean, like, the fights, especially because this is, like, the martial arts hero, like, the biggest one, it was people were expecting some incredible fights. And, again, like I said, because the other, at least Daredevil, people had some similar complaints about Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. But at least Daredevil, the choreography is just outstanding um so they're like oh iron fist is going to be insane then and i guess they just sort of rubbed it but if if you think about like learning genuine martial arts choreography for less than half an hour before you're supposed to do it on camera that's still very impressive with what he and the rest of the actors were able to pull off but it does not make for a super legit looking iron fist well, yeah, and it, at that point, I think somebody should have said, okay, for the integrity of the story, we need to delay this, let everyone Yeah, I kind of always story. assumed that it would come after the Defenders, like, so they had enough time. I can see that. I, it, it, you're right. It does just seem like they rushed through everything. Uh, yeah. That's actually a good point. That's Maybe I'll give it a rewatch. Probably not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, but, and I don't know if you've seen anyone mention this, but an amazing idea that I'm actually a little bit angry that they didn't think of was if they had the costume like implemented, they could have had like anyone double Danny who was like had more time and was a more trained fighter. So, like, that could have stepped up the action and just the overall look of it that much more. But by choosing to have Finn Jones visible all the time, they were stuck with whatever he was able to do. Oh yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, I think we get into that on our Iron Fist episode is we're talking about the fight scenes get remarkably better when he's in a hoodie and they can put a stunt double in there. Right. Yeah. Although I and I don't know if it was just Finn Jones who had to be sort of rushed like that, but I did feel like that the best fights were Colleen's cage fights near the beginning or I oh, guess yeah. maybe I felt like she did a like they were obviously it's a thing it's like is this really believable that this tiny woman is taking down this massive dude but then you're like well that's sort of the point is she's amazing and this is also comic books and I just thought that that choreography was cool and her intent like just being super rage mode like I thought those were the better fights no, I wholeheartedly agree with you. My only issue there was after she sleeps with Danny, spoiler alert, she loses all ability to defend herself. And all of a sudden, she's like a dainty little female. And I'm like, no, you're a badass, Colleen Wing. That's, yeah, that's a little baffling. Although, again, spoiler alert, I that might be sort of like leading into the the fact that she's like again spoiler alert sort of on the side of the bad guys the the rule for spoilers with dumbbells and dragons is three days so if you haven't oh i just said plenty of time yeah if if you can't see something uh in three days it's not a priority for you that's fair i think i yeah it's just it's like look i I haven't seen the Power Ranger movie yet. I'm really excited about it, but it's not like I'm going to care if somebody spoils it because it's been more than three days. Plot is probably not the strong suit of the Power Rangers movie. Yeah, but even even so, like I would say The Walking Dead. I have not watched The Walking Dead at all this season because it just hasn't been a priority. Whereas WWE WrestleMania... I watched that the day it aired. I watched it as it was airing because I wanted to know who was going to win those scripted matches. <laughs> that no, I mean that yeah, understandable. Though so that's that, that is my humble opinion on spoilers. But my question to you is let's take any non Marvel MCU property and put it in a spin-off with a Marvel MCU property, or a crossover, if you will, what two properties do you uh, do you make a crossover of? All right. So we're saying, like, characters that already exist on film for Marvel, like, in the MCU. Yes. Whew. So, I mean, it would have to be probably modern-ish, unless you were going, like, the cosmic like guardians of the galaxy sort of thing. But as much as I love that, that's not the first thing that pops into my mind. I would say, I mean the, the, the other franchises that always pop in my head are like Lord of the Rings is my other big one. I'm not sure how that would work out. Um, (laughs) But actually I would love to sort of a reverse crossover. I would love to have any, of the Marvel characters in the Adventure Time universe because that's another one of my favorites and I feel like the zaniness and silliness could make any crossover work. That would be excellent. I could also see them having a good time with Rick and Morty. 
Oh, yes, that's a great idea. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it on Netflix, but have you heard of or seen The Get Down? I've heard of it, but I've not watched it. Okay, so real quick backstory. It is about a group of four or five um, kids from Harlem in the essentially the end of disco, the birth of hip-hop. Mm-hmm. I would love to see those kids interact with Luke Cage. Oh, man. They would nerd out so hard on, on like, on artists, musicians and stuff in, like, classic records. Oh, I think it would be awesome. Like, when, uh, in, in the, in the, in Luke Cage, when he runs into Method Man. That's exactly the scene I was thinking of when you mentioned that. At first, I thought that scene was a little ridiculous, and then I actually spoke to a friend of mine who, like, lives in Harlem. And she was like, no, yeah, we see him all the time, and that's kind of how it is. <laughs> that's, that, makes, that makes me appreciate it so much more. Yeah, I was like, I mean, okay, t- to be fair, I am a straight white male from Los Angeles. I've never been in that situation, so from... From her point of view, it was like, yeah, it was a common occurrence, which never even occurred to me. I mean, I think I can I can sort of appreciate it from a similar perspective of like you run into. I mean, maybe not that level of interaction, but you run into people like that in Nashville a lot, whether it be musicians, actors or whatever. So when you can have a cool interaction like that. It, I mean, it definitely happens, so it makes that scene all the more, like, heartwarming. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so I've kept you for almost an hour now. So I've got a couple uh, questions to round us out. Okay. First, what does Know This Is Patrick have going on? Like, can do you guys have dates lined up? Do you have an album coming out? Um, I know we got two songs on the podcast uh, at the end of the podcast or in the middle of the podcast, wherever I decide to put them. Um, where can people see you? Where can people catch up with you? So we've got uh, all the social media and everything. Facebook is No This Is Patrick Band. Um, Twitter is NTIP Band. Uh, I think on Instagram, it's just No This Is Patrick Band again. Um, and we have, as you mentioned, we have those two songs out, uh, Storm Coming, Hatchet Coming, and which I know sounds ridiculous, but it's a quote from Sonny. And then the cover of A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlton. Um, and then we've got one more song coming out very soon. Um, so if you go to the Valinor Records YouTube channel or just follow No This Is Patrick anywhere, you'll see that in the next couple weeks hopefully and we're probably going to wrap those three songs up into like a little free ep while we get to work on a full-length album and then um we are playing at rocket town in nashville on may 3rd with a band that is very similar to us called safe so simple they're on tour so they'll be in nashville on may 3rd and we're gonna we're gonna play with them excellent Excellent. By the way, the 1,000 Miles Vanessa Carlton cover is absolutely freaking brilliant. Thank you so much. You, I, I have to give all the credit to that for 
for that to Sean though, because he's the one who who came up with the arrangement, the the basically putting that into our style and our into guitars and our tuning and all that stuff. So yeah, he did an amazing job. Okay, good to know. Tell him thank you. <laughs> what do you have as a musician or as Star Wars MCU nerd? Do you have anything that like, just keeps you connected to that community or an app that helps you with arrangements or something like that? Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. So as far as music goes, and I'm – oh, man, I it, like we joke, but I would love to be gunning for uh, some sort of promotion with this company. Um, there's a program called Guitar Pro that I use a lot and I know a lot of other people use where it's basically – a digital way to write either guitar tablature or at regular musical notation. And it plays it back with MIDI, like digital sort of uh, notes. I'm totally blanking on what MIDI stands for right now. It's like musical instrument, digital interface, I think, or something similar. Um, okay. Yeah. Gear nerds are going to kill me if I got that wrong, but cause it's like <laughs> a pretty standard thing, but um, but yeah, so basically it allows you to write down music and then hear it, even if you don't have your instrument. And it has, I mean, the the digital approximations of the instruments are obviously not the same as far as sound goes, but you can, it gives you an idea and it allows you to write down what you're doing and then send it to people to learn. And you can you can have everything charted out and hear it played back. You can slow it down, speed it up do whatever you need to do. And it it's a great tool for writing and learning music, I think. And then for, for star Wars and Marvel and stuff, I, I almost hesitate to say this just cause some of it's so annoying, but like just read it. Like there's so much about it that is infuriating and just dumb, but it's also a great, like way to stay connected to things you like. Excellent. That's good. Dude, that's a good resource. And, you know, I know a lot of people are on Reddit. A lot of people love Reddit. So it is what it is, man. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it's it's such a big thing. You Everything's got its pros and cons. So, oh, yeah. What parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening? Oh, man, just I mean, well, you know what? I'll take the easy but good route. Golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated just if everyone is is cool to each other you'll find that things work out a lot better um i want to thank everyone out there for listening to the podcast today be sure to check out that ep hopefully coming soon and if you if you are in the nashville area go check out no this is patrick alive i know they would appreciate some screaming dumbbells and dragons fans chanting them on and aside from that Workout nerd out. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces past, and I'm homebound. Just making my way, making my way through the crowd. And I 
need you And I miss you And now I wonder If I could fall Into the sky Do you think time Would pass me by Cause you know I'd walk A thousand miles If I could just see you Just by, cause you know 